This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. If they win the coin toss, I want them to take the ball. Stop deferring. I love it. Stop giving. Go right down. Put them in the hole. Go right down the field, score a touchdown. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam for your midweek Chiefs preview. Verderam, how, how have you been? We're, we're winners again. We took care of the Eagles, but big test coming up on Sunday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, good. Busy, busy. Uh, a lot going on in the NFL this week. We'll get to some of that. But uh, all in all, can't complain. You know, the Chiefs are 2-2. Two two. Uh, getting a little bit healthier, it seems like. And so... You're right. I mean, they, they play Buffalo on Sunday night at Arrowhead. It is a big, big game. If they win, they're tied with the Bills, and they, they own the tiebreaker force. If they lose, they're two back of Buffalo, and Buffalo owns a breaker, and that might be a, a hill that they can't climb. Yeah, Buffalo, and, and we'll get into it a little more in a, in a, in a minute, but, boy, they're, they haven't had the, the, the stiffest of competition so far this season, but they've been taking care of business. That's for sure. A plus 90 point differential so far on the season. Pretty uh, pretty damn impressive, especially when you consider the Chiefs are plus nine, which is uh, not, not what you're looking for. Um, they scored the same amount of points, by the way. Exactly. 134 points apiece. Well, look, I, I think you, know, you, had it, you hit it off the beginning. I think you're right. Like, the Bills are three and one. Give them credit for that. They've also played like the whack essentially through four games. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I think even with the struggles the Chiefs have had, if the Chiefs played those four games, it'd be four now. I'm really confident in saying that. So, you know, the the early portion of NFL seasons is always so hard to figure because there's so much context you don't know yet. How good are these teams that they've played? Well, with Buffalo, I actually know how good these teams are. They're terrible. Like all four of those teams are not good especially on offense. So that said, the Bills have shut out two of the last three teams they've played. I don't care who you're playing. That's really good. And I'm pretty confident that the Chiefs weren't shutting out anybody that they're playing. So, um, look, the Bills are a very good football team. The Chiefs, despite the defense right now, is it, are, they're a very good football team. I think this is going to be one of the better games uh, that, we, that we get this season. I really do, especially when you factor in the importance of it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's – 
Let's talk about some of the goings on. So we're recording this on Wednesday. Normally we do it on Thursday, but we're just for, for transparency's sake, in case we get anything wrong that happens later, we're recording on Wednesday. The big news this morning that was a, a shocker around NFL circles, the Patriots let it be known that they were going to release Stephon Gilmore. Great, great player coming off an injury, had some contract stuff with the Patriots, didn't work out, so they decided to move on from him. And what teams do in these situations sometimes is as they get close to the deadline of needing to release a guy, they'll let leak purposefully that they're they're going to cut him so that any teams that might be interested in trading for him can, you know, come out of the woodwork. Now, they were already putting feelers out for certain trades, but they kind of opened it up to the to the rest of the league. Verderam, can you explain why a team for, for folks that might not be understand how the contracts work and all that stuff, why a team would want to trade a player over cutting him in a situation like this? Well, look, so New England takes on a little bit of a, of a beneficial financial picture because of it. So if they cut Gilmore, they're eating some dead cap anyway. Now, by trading, and they're still going to eat some of the money. Um, they're not clearing themselves completely of it. But the the financial difference is minimal and you get a draft pick back. So if you're going to eat money either way, then you might as well get a pick. And I think they leaked it out wisely because they probably figured, look, if we, if we just kind of keep this hush-hush and we cut them, obviously we get nothing. You're not getting, you know, for anyone who's wondering, no, you don't get a compensatory pick. Okay. You, you, you have to have a guy leaving free agency to get a compensatory pick. Um, if you cut somebody, you get nothing. So they were going to get nothing. And they just decided, all right, well, if we're going to get nothing, then we might as well shop around. I think by leaking out that they were going to cut them, then you find out who's interested. Um, and and, and you kind of you kind of get a little bit of an idea of, of what you might be able to get. Now, they didn't get a lot. They got a 2023 six-round pick. And the reason they got only that is Gilmore's due a decent chunk of change this year. A lot of teams couldn't afford him, especially contenders. And so – you know, Carolina, they got a cheap quarterback in Sam Darnold, a very, very young roster where they're not paying too many guys a lot of money. And they were able to take on the money, no problem. Uh, it's a great move for Carolina. And by the way, he's from there. So it's a great move. He gets to go home. Um, makes all the sense in the world. But yeah, look, I reported on Wednesday morning that the Chiefs had interest. And they did have interest. But at the same point, I also reported that financially it was going to be difficult for the Chiefs. Just was. They don't have the financial flexibility other teams do, um, and that that came to pass. So uh, it wasn't the lack of interest; it was just the lack of of financial flexibility for Kansas City. And especially because, you know, with the contract stuff, you know, New England's on the hook for a certain amount of guaranteed money, in particular the bonus, any bonus that they're spreading out for Gilmore's contract. But by trading him, they get off the hook for the base salary for the rest of the year, which they would have if they had cut him. But for the team that's right. trading for him, right? That's why sometimes you see really good players get cut in a season like this, and then they go and they sign with a contender for very little money because they're still getting paid the a, a bonus or whatever that dead money is for that other team. And so for New England in this situation, moving Gilmore, one they get to control where he goes. Right now, I don't think even New England has any you know, designs of, of going to the Super Bowl or anything this year. I think they're probably right. pretty realistic about that. But still, you'd rather the guy doesn't end up on Kansas City or Buffalo, who you've got to play a couple of times, especially is because if that team signs him to a long-term deal, maybe maybe when you are ready, 
Uh, he's getting towards the end of his career for a cornerback, but you just don't want it to come. Send him to the NFC. You don't have to worry about him. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're probably not going to be seeing Carolina uh, anytime soon in a, in, a, in a playoff game, right, or a Super Bowl. So uh, yeah. smart move for the Patriots. They get an asset. For Gilmore, probably a little bit of a bummer because I'm sure he would have rather been a free agent for the reasons that I just mentioned. He could have gone to Kansas City. He could have gone to Buffalo. He could have gone to Tampa Bay, who really needs help in their secondary. So uh, I think if you're a Chiefs fan, look, it would have been a great get for the Chiefs. The way their defense is playing, it would have been a great get. But the good news is he doesn't end up on Tampa Bay. He doesn't end up on Buffalo. He doesn't end up on Green Bay. Right. He doesn't end up on Baltimore. So for the Chiefs, it's 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 not a not great, but it could it could be worse because they could have ended up seeing no. him help one of their competitors. You're 100 percent right. And I actually said this to somebody um, after the trade went down. They called and we were just chatting, and I said, you know, <laughs> to the Chiefs, the, the best thing that happened to you, other than landing him, happened. He went to a team you're not going to play, who's not a contender. Like he could have very easily gone to Buffalo. He could have easily ended up in Baltimore, like you said. He could, he could. Have, what if he went to a team in the division? Denver doesn't need a corner. What if the Chargers got him? right? Like I mean, there's a whole lot of scenarios. What if he goes to Tampa, team you might see in the Super Bowl, right? Like so, I think for the Chiefs, that was just fine. Like yeah, you didn't get Gilmore. Okay, look, it was always going to be difficult. Like I reported on Wednesday morning, it was not going to be something that they. The only way the Chiefs were going to get Stephon Gilmore is if he was either going to take a steep discount to go there, which is never going to happen, or if for whatever the reason, the teams that he had interest in just were not willing to go above, let's just, and this is an arbitrary number, but $10 million. Okay, then maybe you start getting to a point where the Chiefs could have done something. But they were never going to get into a bidding war. They can't. They don't have the money. And that, if you want to, by the way, if you want to go and start pointing fingers as to why they don't have money, one of which is they have a really good roster, but two... The biggest thing that you could say is they should have extended Tyron Matthew because that would have opened up about $15 million. They would have had the ammunition. Now, would New England have traded them to the Chiefs? I don't know. But they would have had the flexibility then to do it. And, of course, yes, everybody's brought it up to the point it's actually trending on Twitter right now. Yes, if they didn't sign Frank Clark to a you know, $29, $28 million cap hit, yeah, they didn't have the money, but they did sign Frank Clark to that. And you can argue whether or not it was worth it, depending on your viewpoint of how important he was for the Super Bowl run. But it is what it is. They don't get him. He goes to Carolina and the Chiefs move on with who they have as they get ready for Buffalo. And speaking of Frank Clark, I just want to put this out there. For, for some of, I don't know, people that listen to this podcast are obviously very smart football people. So probably not really talking to any of you. But to some of those people out there on, on Twitter and such that are like, hey, they should just cut cut Frank Clark. He, you know, it does no, no good for the Chiefs to cut Frank Clark. Right? Like, you, your defense is terrible. Yeah, he's not playing, but you got to ride this out for the year. You're not going to go out and find yep. anybody on the scrap heap that could bring more to this defense than Frank Clark when he's playing well. So, you know, I think we can we can put put to bed that like just forget it. They're not going to cut Frank Clark unless he does something crazy. Well, crazier than he's already done. Well, look, I mean, Frank Clark this year's cap hit is a, a ridiculous twenty five point eight million dollars, which is the highest cap hit in the league for a non quarterback. Seventh highest overall. If they cut him, if they cut him this year, just make sure I'm getting the right numbers here. Okay. They would eat twenty-five point three million dollars. 
they're not cutting Frank Clark. Yeah. Okay. Their cap savings would be half a million. You're not cutting Frank. Like, it's not. Now you want to get in the next year? Oh, he's gone next year. But you know, by the way, guys, I hate to tell everybody, it's not like you cut him and all of a sudden everything's hunky dory. All right, you save thirteen and a half million, which is a huge chunk of change. They're eating twelve point seven in dead money. They're eating a lot of money. Now, if you post June one them, then yes, you, you go up, you, you save nineteen point five, you eat seven, but then you all, you eat thirteen million in twenty twenty three. So no matter how you do it, like. And by the way, I actually I actually mixed up the numbers the first time. You're eating 13.6, you're getting 12.7. So they're eating more than half his contract next year. Like that contract is probably the biggest mistake of Brett Veach's career in Kansas City. Now, again, you want to argue, hey, look, they don't win the Super Bowl without him? I'll hear that argument. I might even agree with that argument, but that contract is a train wreck. They paid him to come in and be a great player. And at times he's been a good one, but the last year and a half, you now let's just call it what it is. He stunk. I mean, there's, there's no other way to say it. He has not been a good player. I know he's made the Pro Bowl each of the last two years. He has not deserved to make the Pro Bowl each of the last two years. I mean, he, he had eight sacks in 2019. And in 2020, he had six. Like, how that's a Pro Bowl player, I have no idea. But it is. And, and it is what it is. But they need, him to, they need him to play well. They do. It's not like they have some magical answer waiting around behind him. So, it is what it is. He's going to hopefully be back on Sunday. They're going to need him to show up. He is practicing today for what that's worth, and he practiced all last week. So the odds are he probably will be there on Sunday. And if I'm Frank Clark's agent, I'm reading the writing on the wall, right? Like I'm, I'm saying, Frank, oh, listen, yeah. you're in a contract here, buddy. Like, I, you know, you need to go out there and use these. You got the Uzi thing, right? You got a checkered pass on some other stuff. You're not like, you're not a catch right now. All right, but you know how you can change that? Go out finish the season, get 10 sacks, right? Play well in the playoffs. Chiefs might keep you, you'll get paid, or they're going to cut you, move on, or trade you, and you're going to get paid. So he's in a contract here, essentially, and hopefully when he gets healthy, he can come back and make an impact because God knows they need it, right? They, sh- they, don't, have, they don't have the luxury to be casting somebody with, with, with Frank Clark's talents aside. I know it's frustrating, that he hasn't performed the way that we would all maybe like. And, you know, Brian Windhorst, who's, who's, who's covered LeBron James and used to cover the Cavs back in the day um, in Cleveland, you know, he was fond of saying after the Cavs won the championship in 2016, I'm, I'm from Northeast Ohio, as many of you know, he said, you know, winning a championship means never having to say you're sorry. And to a degree, I think we can apply that to Frank Clark and Brett Veach on that contract. Was it the best contract of, of Brett Veach's career? Did it work out how we would like to have with that amount of money? No, but there's no doubt that Frank Clark was very important to that Super Bowl run, particularly in the playoffs, the way that he played. And if, if you told me, hey, the Chiefs are going to be a little cash-strapped in 2021 because they won the Super Bowl <laughs> uh, a couple of years earlier, yeah, I would sign up for it over and over again. So um, hopefully 100%. Frank gets back. And, and <clears throat> look, that. The defense, the changes, they may trade for somebody. They may make a move or two. But there's no way to the, – the, the fix for this defense has to come from the players that are on the roster. Yep. You know, 100%. that's it. 100%. And, you know, listen, I was I was thinking about it the other day. Like, the idea that some knight in, in shining armor is going to come riding in here on a white horse is just crazy. 
And you know what? I got to tell you, they don't need that. Yes, they, they could use an infusion of talent. I mean, no, no one's arguing that. No one with eyes would argue that. We talked about this on the Sunday post-game podcast. To me, their biggest problem is they can't get lined up right. I mean, that is their number one problem. We could talk about the pass rush and tackling. Yes, all, all agree, right? We all know that that's a problem. They have no ability to get lined up. Now, that is something that they not only can fix, they, they better fix. They should fix. If, if you just stop blowing communication assignments, you're good. Like You, know, you may not be perfect, but I, I promise you, I spent a lot of years coming up in this business watching film, not only of the Chiefs, but of, of everybody in the league. And while I do not profess to be one of these scheme gurus, okay, I'm not, I know what I'm looking at. There are times when you watch a Chiefs game, they have no idea what coverage they're in. I mean, there are times where you can't even tell on a replay. Are they in man? Are they in zone? Do they know what coverage they're in? If you as a defense are limited athletically, but you play your assignment and you're you're sound in doing so, you will at least be capable. You may not be great. You may not even be top half of the league, but you will be capable because you're where you're supposed to be. And if you can make a tackle, then good. You're fine. You may not be dominant. You won't be dominant, but you'll at least be decent. The problem for the Chiefs right now is they don't have dominant personnel, and they're they're backing that up by not tackling anybody and having absolutely no ability to get themselves pre-snap ready. And then when they're communicating during the play and passing guys off, they've been blowing assignments. If they fix that, I'm not telling you they're going to be, be a great defense, but they will be better, markedly better. And if they're that, they're good enough to win any game they play, and they probably will win any game play yeah you know i think the era of dominant defenses is over i think you'll have a team pop up every once in a while but to be consistently dominant on defense in the nfl these days with the way that the rules are and spreading everybody out it's very hard to be consistently good like dominant good right you can be good but like You know, you, you talk about, like, we always hear the talk about a regression to the mean. And, like, the first thing, whenever a defense has a really good season, you can bet they're probably not going to be that good again next year. And for the Chiefs, I, and I think a lot of NFL teams, it's really about being sound, like you were saying, Matt, knowing your assignments, tackling well, keeping it simple. And what you do when you do that, it's not necessarily flashy. But is you make the you make it harder on the offense, right? You make the offense they have yes. to execute perfectly, and if yep. they make a couple of mistakes, you get off the field. It's it's it, you you can't just expect that you're going to be the eighty five bears out there in this NFL. It's just it's probably not going to happen. So make them make them move the ball down the field, eliminate big plays, tackle well, and a lot of the things that the Chiefs are having problems with right now. Yeah, you need to get a pass rush. That's that's key in every situation in NFL history and always will be as far as disrupting the quarterback goes, but they're not doing the things that they should know how to do well. And that we've seen them do well, these exact players with this exact coach, they're not doing the things that they did last year or the year before that. And so it feels a little bit like, honestly, some of it feels a little bit like preseason to me. And I don't know, yeah. like, you know, it's like, it's like early on in the seat and it's like, it's been extended. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because of the talent that they've played, right? Like the, it seemed like the Browns, like that is like the worst team that I would want to face early on, like in the first game of the season, 
because of how physical are they because of the way they run the ball when you haven't been tackling when you can't have camp the way that they used to have camp you know that that's a tough that's a tall order that's a challenge so do you think that we see it just start to tighten up a little bit slowly as the season goes on yeah because it has to i mean you know here's the thing with kansas city i'm gonna i'm gonna shock some people with some of these numbers this defense so missed tackles, right? And this is all by Pro Football Reference, okay, which is a great site. I, I would recommend it to anybody. So Kansas City, everybody's talked about how many missed tackles they've had, and they've had a lot of them, right? I, I would agree they've been awful. They have the 15th most in football. They're almost dead in the middle. Like They, they have the 15th most. But by pressure rate, in terms of just getting pressure on the quarterback, you know, per dropback, they're 13th. They're actually tied for 12th. They're tied for 12th at about a quarter of the time. Okay. They, they they blitz eighth most in the NFL, which shocks me. I feel like they don't blitz a lot. They, they do the 30.3%. Okay. Uh, again, according to pro football reference. So then you ask yourself, like, okay, so then what is wrong with them? Well, they're giving up the most yards per carry of anybody in football, along with Arizona, who, by the way, what is Arizona's record? They're undefeated. 4 0. 4 0. Okay, who's the team that's one tenth of a yard behind the Chiefs? The Chargers, who are three and one. Who's behind them? The Raiders, who are three and one. Who's two spots behind them? The Cowboys, then the Rams, then the Seahawks, then the Panthers. It doesn't matter. I don't want to be the analytics guy who's just like nothing about run game matters. That's not why they're losing. It's not why they're losing games. They're losing games because right now, yards per play against, they are at 6.9 which is far and away more than anybody else in football. Detroit is second, Jacksonville is third. Those teams have not won a game, okay? So what's killing them is they're just giving up chunk plays constantly. And that well, that sounds obvious, but if you think about it, when you, you break it down a little bit further, they're not giving up massive, like, over-the-top pass plays, right? Like, there haven't been a ton of, like, 40, 50, 60-yard pass plays. They're just getting bled to death. And, and I think the answer to that is, more man coverage, you know, stop playing these soft zones. The last two weeks, they've been much better against the running backs running the football. Now, Hurts killed them a little bit in, in week four. Miles Sanders did nothing in that game. The Chargers did not run the ball particularly effectively. I think it was like three and a half yards of carry against the Chiefs. So they're tightening up there. They're getting a little bit more pressure than it looks like, but they're just getting absolutely smoked yards per completion allowed 12.7 that's sixth worst in the nfl okay that's not getting it done you have to get better there they're getting pressure on the quarterback but they're not getting hits they've 18 hits on the quarterback this year the only teams that are worse the colts the texans and the giants so they're getting close in terms of they're getting pressure but they're not hitting them they're not sacking them the good news is close the bad news is not close enough. And then real quickly, lastly, I think these are important. Third down. Patrick, you take a guess. Where do you think the Chiefs are defensively, third down ranking? First being the best. Uh, out of the whole league? Whole league. <laughs> I, they, they, I, actually, I would, I would say maybe middle of the pack because they probably don't get that many third downs. These <laughs> people are getting first downs on first and second down. They're, they're, they're 22nd in the league. They give up 43.9, which is not good. You'd like to be better, but that's sure. not awful. By the way, they're like two percentage points away from being like 16th in the league. Okay. Yeah. They're not far off, especially when you consider who they've played. 
Here is the thing we've been harping on forever, and it's killing them. The red zone defense stinks. They even with the game on on Sunday, they're still fifth worst in the league. Somehow the Packers have given up a, a touchdown every single trip. The Raiders are worse. The Panthers are worse. The Lions are worse. Everybody else is better. And if you look at about the average team, it's about sixty to sixty-two percent. That's what Kansas City's got to be shooting for. If they fix that, and they get a little better in coverage. I, I think you're good because if you're a little better in coverage and you got a little bit more time to get to the quarterback, well, if you're getting pressures, but you're not getting hits, you're close. So but all of those numbers tell me they're not that far off despite what we see. But I think what we see is because they can't communicate and they're, and they're missing some tackles. And I think in previous years, we would say, look, hey, they're just they've got Patrick Mahomes. They've got this dynamic offense. They'll let teams move the ball between the 20s. Right. Uh, and, and stop them in the red zone, hold them to field goals, they're going to win the game. But I think one thing that maybe we need to consider too as fans is this year has been different. Not just in that they're letting teams score in the red zone, but when teams get in the red area against the Chiefs, they're getting more aggressive than I've ever seen any teams playing a Chiefs team in the history that I've been a fan. And I think it's because these teams know we got to score touchdowns against these guys. So if they get into a fourth and three, they're like, let's just, we might as well go. We should go for it. We need seven here. We need seven here. And that's yes. that's that's yep. not helping the Chiefs defense. Like they've gotten some stops in the red zone that they ended up giving up. Now, look, your job's to stop the other team. Like you gotta you gotta do it. But I think when they get when they have teams get down there, they've gotta be better on first and second down. They have to be. They've gotta get these teams in third and long situations and make it more difficult and make it harder for that coach to be like, no, let's go for it. It's third and four. This defense isn't very good. They need to be like, it's third and eight. Like, let's take the three. And and that, I think, is, is going to be really crucial for them as they move forward. Yeah, no question. And that's, look, you're right. And you bring up a great point. These these opponents, the Chiefs have seen so far, they've gone for it consistently on fourth down. And guess what? Other teams are going to do. I thought the biggest mistake the Eagles made in that game was kicking a bunch of short field goals. You're never going to win the game playing like that. I'll tell you right now, against the Bills, we saw, if you remember, in the AC title game last year, two different times where they got real close to the end zone. They had fourth down and short, and they kicked field goals. They will not do that again. And if you're the Chiefs, you can mitigate that. Look, you get a team down. Let's just say it's at the 20-yard line. You get a team there at fourth and seven, they probably are going to kick a field goal. You know, because now it's like, all right, well, you know what? That's a lot harder. If it's fourth and four, fourth and three, fourth, teams are just going to go for it. They just are. And they're right to. I will say that about the Chiefs. The offense is so great, it has literally changed the game. Teams have just realized that if you play Kansas City and you kick a field goal, you might as well punt. There's just there's no point. And by the way, we spent a lot of time, everybody spent a lot of time talking about the defense, how bad it is, and for obvious reasons. What we're not talking about is how great this offense is. This could be genuinely one of the great offenses of all time. I mean, it really, like... And if Josh Gordon's even halfway decent, forget it. They'll never punt the ball. They are, they are killing teams. And the thing that's impressive about this group, to me more than any group they've ever had, at least in the Mahomes era, they are just running people over. I mean, for the longest time, they were this finesse line, and, and, and they played that way because they love to throw the ball. That's fine. It's more important than run blocking for them. This group can do both. Like this group can pass block. This group also can get downhill. And the interior of this line is insane. This is the best interior in the NFL, period. 
Like I would argue that with anybody. I, I tweeted this year day and I, I really believe it. Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith might be pro bowlers this year. Like they're good enough. They're certainly caliber, pro bowl caliber. They might, you know, but normally, especially as an offensive lineman, it takes some time, especially if you're not a real high pick. These kids are so good, they might be a pro bowler this year. And Trey Smith is so good, he might even get like all pro consideration. I mean, they are ridiculous. And Niang and Brown have been good. That, they, you know, especially Brown, Brown's been excellent. I can't even think of, uh, you know, he struggled a little bit with, with, with Garrett, but geez, other than that, it's been totally lights out. This offense, as long as it's healthy, they are going to score and score and score. They just need this defense to not be historically bad. If it's just regular old plain bad, they're going to win every game they play. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good, and they're only going to get better. These guys have played four NFL games, uh, the right side of that line, the interior. So they're only going to get better as they learn more. And you always talk here the talk about offensive lines continuing to gel they're doing a nice job in pass protection i think the big beneficiary is going to be clyde edwards alaire and daryl williams the more confident this line gets and they're blocking and they're pulling and all this and they're working together and they understand what, he, what each other's doing and andy's got a complicated offense especially for offensive linemen remember andy's andy's an offensive lineman like he's that's that's his that's his thing he knows it and it's yep. it's gonna it's gonna take them a little bit of time, but um, I'm excited for for the possibilities there because they're super efficient, and they've played good defenses and good fronts. You might look at the box scores and say, oh well, well the Bills have scored the same amount of points, but and, and we know Buffalo has a good offense, but they have not played the Browns. You see what the Browns are doing to some of these teams? Their defense is much yep. improved, much improved. They've only given up 67 points this season, and and they've played the Chiefs. Like half of that's the Chiefs, yeah. um, so well, you know. No, I, I, look, you know what? Spinning it forward and looking at the game they got this weekend, it's a it's a big game, and I find this a. I'm not going to lie, this is a fascinating game on a lot of levels for me because you have all the the components of you have the emotional component. Buffalo, I'm sure, wants to beat them in the worst way. Lost them twice last year, obviously in the AFC title game, and really the Chiefs beat them up in both games, especially the AFC championship game where Kansas City just absolutely earholed them from from soup to nuts. I mean, for sixty minutes, just killed them. Um, you also have the Chiefs on the other side of this thing, who are two and two, and frankly need the game more than Buffalo, at least in the standings. But I would argue the game's almost bigger for the Bills in a lot of ways. Like it, it's bigger for the Chiefs because they're two and two, and Buffalo's three and one. But it's, it's bigger for Buffalo from a confidence standpoint. Like, the Chiefs going to lose this game, end up going 12-5, and five, getting the playoffs, and I don't think they're going to exactly be shaking in their boots going to Buffalo. Like, And that's no disrespect to the Bills. It's just the Chiefs have been a million huge games before. Like, I don't think going to Buffalo would be like, oh, we can't win there. You know, they would have the confidence. Hey, we beat them last year in the playoffs. Like, we can definitely win the game. If the Bills lose this game to Kansas City, first of all, I think there's a good chance that they're going to see each other in January, and then they're probably coming back to Arrowhead. B, at that point, you've lost three games in a row to him, and it starts getting in your head a little bit. Like, well, God, we just can't beat him, right? Like, this is a fascinating game on a lot of levels. Those are a couple I zoom in on. And also, look, I I normally have a really strong opinion about just about everything in my life, which I'm sure has come across to the listeners. Um, <laughs> man, I cannot get a feeling on this game. I, I could see this game going a million different ways. I'll be blunt. I could see Buffalo scoring 45 points in this game. I could. 
I can see them just coming out and having a great plan, and Chiefs just cannot fix this defense, and it's it's a tire fire for 60 minutes. I can see it being a total shootout where both teams are just up and down the field. I know the Bills have been great defensively. The Bills have played nobody. This is this is like fighting a preschooler and then fighting Mike Tyson. Okay, this is, the, the difference in the two are, are obviously pretty stark, and I think it's going to show for the Bills in this game. They're also dealing with Matt Milano, who's their best linebacker. He might be out. He's got a hamstring injury. He did not practice Wednesday. Tredavious White practiced on a limited basis in a non-contact jersey. He is dealing with a new shoulder injury. Uh, they look to be getting corner Teron Johnson back. He's a decent player. That'll help them. But they're also missing uh, their first-round pick, Gregory Rousseau, who's got, I believe, it's a toe injury. He did not practice. And then you also have um, Jordan Poyer, safety, who did not play last week, who's, who was out with a hamstring. He was limited today in practice. We'll see how those, those things play out. But I could see it going anyway. I really could. I, I also could see this being a game where everybody starts doing that thing where it's like, well, you know, I don't know if the Chiefs are that good this year. Maybe they can't play defense. Maybe they're not the best team. Maybe they're just going to fall apart. Maybe it's the Bills' time. And then within 10 minutes of watching that game, you just go, oh, God, Kansas City is just on one tonight. It's just they are on a mission. They're going to prove something, and the Chiefs win 42 to 20. Like I, I could see any of those things happening. I really could. Yeah, we talked a lot last year about, well, the Chiefs get up for these big games. And then you kind of come into this year and you're you're feeling like the Chiefs the Chiefs aren't getting up for big games early in the season because they think they're, they're just going to win anyway. And maybe that is a little bit of a wake-up call for them. But I'll tell you what, this game, the Chiefs have to have it. I really believe that they do if they want to try to get the number one seed because listen to Buffalo's schedule after this. They're at Tennessee, which they're not having a good season. They could They could... If there's a team, they could easily beat the Bills, but they're not having a good season. They're hot and cold. The Dolphins at the Jaguars at the Jets versus the Colts at the Saints. Who knows? That's a wild card game. Versus yep. the Patriots. Patriots, you could never count them out because of Belichick, right? But they're not good. At the Buccaneers versus the Panthers. At the Patriots again versus the Falcons versus the Jets. I mean, you could you could easily look at that schedule and be like, "Oh, the Bills might only lose two more games after the Chiefs." I agree. You know, and I probably with all those. Uh, I mean, I think if the Chiefs, can, that's why this game is so massive in a lot of ways. If Kansas City wins this game, okay, they're both three and two. I agree with you. I think the Bills probably lose twice. You know, maybe the, you know, I think they'll lose to Tampa, and then look, there's an argument they could either lose to the Saints, they could lose to the Pats on the road, they could. You know, and, and and sometimes you have a game sneak up, sneak up on you. Panthers, you know, Panthers you are playing good defense. Yeah, Panthers, right? I mean, you know, maybe you get a game with the Colts. The Colts are weird, you know, or Tennessee. You may, I think let's put it this way: if the Bills lose this game, I think they're probably going to win twelve to thirteen, like right in that right in that range. Okay, you know, sometimes injuries too. Maybe you have a week you're just really beat up, like it happens. You ran you ran off the schedule, and I think rightfully so. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the Chiefs' schedule after this game also gets a lot easier. And that's where it becomes interesting. Like Kansas City after this, their next three games are Washington, the Titans, and the Giants. They, they should win those games. Tennessee's interesting. Like you said, they're hot and cold. I agree with you. The hard part is the following three games. Home to the Packers, at the Raiders on Sunday Night Football, home to Dallas. You know, you should win those games. But I look at it like this. If Kansas City can win this game, I can make a very easy case you're going to win the next three games. If you win two of those next three, you know, let's just say whatever, you 
you split the home games and beat the Raiders. Then their last six games, I won't go down them in a row. They play the Steelers at home, the Bengals on the road, the Raiders at home, the Broncos twice, and then you get the Chargers on the Thursday night on the road. I mean, you could very easily go five and one, and all of a sudden you're looking at 13 and four. And you're, you're beat out Buffalo. And, and at 13 and four, you're winning the division. You're beating out anybody in the South. And you're probably beating out anybody in the North. You're probably the one seed. So, look, that's a whole lot of prognostication. I mean, injuries and just not playing well and everything else can, can muck it up. But that is the truth. I mean, Kansas City, after this game, the schedule lightens considerably. Well, you win this game, you got a shot. You got a shot to have everything you want. You lose this game, they're not going to get to the one seed. They're not, barring Buffalo is having a catastrophic injury. Yeah, they're definitely not. Not with the way the schedule shake out. And the, the nope. fact of the matter is that the AFC West is a lot more competitive than than uh, the East, that what Buffalo has to face right now. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of change happening there. The AFC West has been gearing up to, to figure out a way to beat Kansas City for a, a few years now, and they've got some talent. So... Um, yeah, it's the, you know, I look at the schedule for the chiefs and I'm looking at that green Bay game and I'm looking at the, at the Cowboys game. The Cowboys offense is super dynamic. That's going to be a big problem for Kansas city. Um, they're fortunate that they get both of those games at Arrowhead. So look, the chiefs just have to get some confidence back. I think on defense and start, stop, start playing mistake free football uh, or as close as to it as they can get. And this is a great opportunity for them. Look, last week was a great opportunity for them. That was a great get right game. It's what everybody was calling it, right? And then uh, it did, it did, it almost got wrong. But here you're coming up against your number one contender, basically, in the AFC. I think everybody would agree this is your chance to get back on track. I hope they can do it. Are there any matchups that you're particularly interested in in this game? I was just actually going to ask you what your X factor is. Um, any matchup, I think there's a lot of them that are interesting, but I'll, I'll give you one that I, I don't even know if it's going to come to fruition, but if they match up the way I think they might, it could or would, I guess. Emmanuel Sanders is their third receiver. Okay. You have Beasley inside. You have Diggs, of course, on the outside. If Shervarius Ward can guard him and guard him well, I think it changes the dynamic of the game a little bit. Because if I'm the Chiefs, now, of course, I'm not Steve Spagnuolo, but if I was game planning for this game, I would play a lot of man. I would put Snead on digs and I would do everything I could. And I would, by the way, I would tell Snead in this game, like, if you think you're getting beat, just tackle him. I don't care. We'll live with three penalties. Tackle him. Um, you know, be aggressive as hell at the line. I'd play a lot of press man. I'd put him on digs. I would go with a ton of three safety in this game. And I would put Matthew in the slot on Beasley. I would try to completely erase him from this game. You are not getting any easy throws. None. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to put Tyron Matthew on because I believe he can cover him. And then Ward on Sanders. If you did that and Ward can handle Sanders, I think the Chiefs would be in great shape. Because the one thing about the Bills, and this makes it a little bit of a weird matchup for them, they don't throw a lot to the tight end outside of the red zone. And they do not throw to their backs. Their backs this year, and I'll, I'll look it up as I'm talking, have literally almost no ability to catch the football, or at least they don't showcase the ability to catch the football. And so the Chiefs' biggest weakness has been covering backs, covering tight ends. That's not a huge weakness against Buffalo because it's not something Buffalo does. Dawson Knox is a decent tight end. He has four touchdowns. But outside the red zone, they really do not target him. 
it's almost primarily just those three receivers. In fact, if you look at their their stats, okay, so I have them up in front of me. Diggs has 305 yards. He's been great. Sanders has 268. Beasley has 210. They've all played all four games. Dawson Knox only has 144. Gabriel Davis, who's their number four receiver, has seven targets all year for 63 yards. Their leading receiver out of the backfield is Zach Moss with 39 yards. They do not throw to the backs. They do not throw to the tight ends. And the one place they're vulnerable up front, here's my other matchup, because this one is going to come into play. They do not have a good interior offensive line. Their guard's been a major issue this year. And if I'm the Chiefs, this is a game. I'm slotting Jones back inside, and I am just going after them. I'm blitzing right over his ass, and I'm forcing them to declare and to, and to block him one-on-one. I'm, I'm blitzing interior. I would blitz the A-gap in this game literally 12 times. I would force them to put a guard on Chris Jones one-on-one. I'd be showing pressure on Allen's face, man coverage, press, run, press man on the outside. Go ahead, try and beat me throwing it. And I think if you're the Chiefs, despite how bad their defense has been, A, I think they can do it in that regard. And B, when you play a defense like that, and it's just, hey, it's man up all the way across. There's not room for communi- communication issues because what communication do you have? You're in man coverage. Like it's not like it's not like when you're in zone and if a guy goes in motion, then everybody's got to move and you have different responsibilities. You're in man. If the guy goes across the field, you go with him. So I think those are two things to watch. Ward and Sanders when they match up, and then the interior of the Bills offensive line, specifically the guards against Jones and Jerron Reed, who if there's ever gonna have a breakout game, it'd be nice if it was this one. Yeah, sure would. Uh, you know, for me, for X Factors, I wanted to pick somebody on the defense because I was like, you know, we have to be better on defense or it's not going to matter what we do on offense. But I'm actually going to go a different way because I think that it's Spagnolo, the whole defense. Everybody has to play a rung or two up than what they have been playing for the Chiefs to have a chance in this game on defense. So as far as an X Factor, something that I think can help, I'm going to go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's got back-to-back 100-yard games. The running game is getting going. And do you remember what he did to the Bills last year, the first time they, they killed played him? him? Killed him. He absolutely killed him. 26 carries for 161 yards. And I think that that is something that can help the Chiefs' defense, right? Look, Baltimore is an explosive offense, and the Chiefs' defense is not very good right now. They're not going to – I don't foresee a complete turnaround to, to Sunday, but if they can be a little bit better – and the Chiefs are going to have to continue to take this methodical approach. I don't think the Bills are going to be insane, and they're going to come out and start trying to blitz Mahomes and things like that. Um, I think they're going to do whatever every other team's been doing, try to take away Tyreek Hill. And so I think it's going to be Kelsey, and I think it's going to be Kelsey over the middle, and I think it's going to be Hill. And I, or uh, sorry, uh, Edwards Alaire. And what I want to see out of Edwards Alaire is a little bit more explosion yeah. on his runs. Agreed. Right? Agreed. And, and, and that's what I remember. Feel. When I think about this game last year, he was explosive in this game. I think of him just bursting through the holes, bursting into the secondary. Don't be so tentative. The holes are the holes are going to be there. These guys are going to open up holes for you. Get through the hole and make them pay in the secondary. Uh, I think if he can do that, it's going to allow the Chiefs to eat up some of the time of possession, remove some of the pressure off the defense, and uh, keep the, keep the game tight. Keep the game tight. And hopefully the Chiefs can get some turnovers and pull away. And the other thing I want to see them do is, uh, this is a weird thing, but if they win the coin toss, I want them to take the fucking ball. Stop deferring. I love it. Stop giving. Go right down. Put them in the hole. 
Go right yep. down the field, score a touchdown. When they like when Mahomes first started coming on the scene, that's what they were doing. They were they had this swagger on offense, and they came out and they've been doing this weird thing where they defer all the time. And I think Andy likes to have that extra possession after halftime to make yep. adjustments. But I'm telling you, man, put make things easier on your defense. Put these teams back on their heels early, and maybe you get in some more of those third and long situations that they can pin their ears back and get to the quarterback. No. I love that call. And normally I like deferring because I like getting that chance that you can double up there at the end of the half and in the beginning. But in this game, I agree with you. If I'm the Chiefs in this game, I bet you give me the damn ball. We're going to go down the field and get up 7 nothing and get this crowd going nuts, and then you have to deal with that. I, I totally agree. Now, knowing the Chiefs, they won't do that, but I agree that they should. The one thing I think we do have to talk about quick, we have to talk about Josh Gordon. Right. Like he's now been activated. Whether or not he's active for the game on Sunday, they won't say. But let's be real. If he practices this week, I, I cannot imagine they're not going to activate him for this game. So I'll ask you, I mean, what are your expectations of him in this game? You know, yeah, I think he'll play. I, I don't think that they're taking up a roster spot with him, you know, to sit and have a cup of coffee and watch yeah. on the sidelines. Um, sorry, I muted myself. Um, you know, I want to say he's going to have a huge game and, you know, that she's going to be feeding him the ball. I'm, th- I'm looking for one or two big splash plays from, from Josh Gordon in this game. Um, you know, I think probably nothing early and maybe sometime in the second half, he catches a 40 yard pass from Mahomes. Somebody makes a mistake. Um, and then the impact that I think he'll have, because there's just no way he knows the playbook that well. Like they're going to have a few things in there for right. him. He's not going to be on the field a ton. Um, so I'm looking for one or two big splash plays. And then just I want him to be sort of a decoy. I want to see the the uh, the impact that he has on the rest of the offense just by being on the field, just by being somebody who the teams are like, oh, we're not just the Bills are going to be like, we're not quite sure about this guy. I'd be sending him on a lot of streaks down the field, you know, and just go out there and be like, yeah, just run, run to the end zone, run to the goalposts, and see how much of an impact that makes on on Tyreek Hill, but more importantly, Travis Kelsey. I could see with the addition of Josh Gordon, Travis Kelsey having a monster game. I'm talking 150 yards receiving in a game like this because it's. I think it's just going to open up the middle of the field. Yeah. Well, no, it should. This is definitely, I think, the right tack to take. I think if people are expecting him to have like 12 targets in this game, that that's just aggressive. That's not going to happen, I wouldn't think. I definitely think with them. If they get a look where he's one-on-one with no safety help over the top, they are going to check to him on the outside and they run straight. Here it comes. Like we, you're 6'4", 238. Like good luck guarding him. Like he, I am throwing this ball as far as I can. He runs like the wind. We're going to throw it up there. I also think when they get in the red zone, that is where I'd watch for him. Like he's a, that is a big body guy, man. That is, I mean, he weighs 20 pounds less than Kelsey. Like, yeah, it's crazy. like a four, 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 five. I, that's where, you know, if he's on a corner who's you know, five, 10 and a buck 90, you're just, you're just throwing it up there. And okay, man, either nobody makes a play or you do. Um, yeah. You know, Mahomes even said it earlier in uh, last week, you know, even when he's not open, he's open. Come throwing yeah. him the ball. So no, I think, you know, Gordon's going to be interesting. Let's call it what it is. I mean, Demarcus Robinson just hasn't done nothing this year. And and McCole Hardman has done something, but not enough. And so if you're the Chiefs, if Josh Gordon doesn't work out, okay, fine. Right? You're still fine. I mean, you've been scoring at an incredible rate even with this offense. I mean, if he comes in and he's even just good, have fun. I don't know how you yeah. 
defend it. I really like I, I think you almost at that point just have to play a really deep zone and just say the hell with it. They're going to move the ball at will, and we got to hope we can stop them inside the 15, 10-yard line. I, I think that's really it because there's no other way to deal with them. All right, it's time. What's your final score prediction? I've gone back and forth in this because, like I said, I don't have a, a real strong feeling. But, you know, the one feeling that I have had all week that I just cannot shake, and it's actually grown as the week's gone on, it's a complete gut feel. I think the Chiefs are going to play really well in this game. I really do. I really – and it, it's again, it's not backed up by – God knows it's not backed up by anything they've done on defense. It's just, you know, the only thing I can liken it to is, you know, like for like 20 years, the paths were great. But there were always like certain games, always for like once a year, maybe every other year, they'd stumble and they'd stagger and they'd be like, kind of like Kansas City, like two and two. They'd come home. There'd be some game they'd be playing Indianapolis or Cincinnati or Pittsburgh or who are you on the Chargers. And you'd hear all the national talking heads start in with, oh, you know, this is, this is where they get them. This is, you know, this is the end of New England. What are we going to do? You know, this is finally the end. And then the game would start. And within 10 minutes, you just, like, oh, God, New England is going to absolutely pace them. Now, I don't think Kansas City is going to pace Buffalo, but I think they're going to win this game in a way that a lot of people don't expect. I think the Chiefs have given Allen problems in the past. I think they will do it again. I do not care at all for Buffalo's run game. It doesn't scare me in the least. And I don't care what their defense has done. They've played nobody. Kansas City is an entirely different animal. And nobody stops this team. Let's be honest. When, when they're healthy, literally nobody stops them. So I think it's going to be something like 34-23. I do. I, I think Kansas City is going to win the game. And I know, look, I may be eating my words. They might end up giving up 500 yards and 40 points and lose the game, and we're all sitting here screaming at him Sunday night after the game. That's that's totally fair. It's just a gut feel. I have a gut feeling in this game that they are going to play a big game, really on both sides of the football. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I am. I, I think they, they're proud. I think they play hard. I think they rise up in this game. They're at home. If they weren't at home, I may not feel that way. I will say this if you're the Bills. This is the kind of game you better not let it get away from you early. Because if it does with them, and they can just make you one-dimensional, as bad as they are defensively, Spagnuolo will bring everybody. And it'll turn into a track meet. And the Bills, even as good as they are, they're not equipped to deal with Kansas City in that regard. So 34-23, I think the Chiefs play their best game of the season. Man, I hope you're right. And I hope that they do get up two scores early so that they can do that on defense and get a little of their swagger back. I've always said on this podcast, I'll pick against the Chiefs when they give me a reason to pick against them. And for the first time in the history of of this version of the podcast, I was on it a long time ago. Um, I'm going to pick against the Chiefs. They got to show me, and I think they're playing a team totally on, on offense that is uh, is dynamic. And I have no confidence right now that the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs can. I know this defense can beat Buffalo. I watched them do it twice last year. Played Buffalo twice very well. So I know that they can. But this year, right now, the way they've been playing, I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm going to go Buffalo 42, Chiefs 35. Uh, I just think I just think it's going to be an up and down the field sort of thing. I, I think Buffalo, even though they should run the ball, 
I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to come out and start slinging it all over the place. That could work in the Chiefs' favor if they can cover well and if all the corners are healthy. Um, but I, I, I just, I think it's going to be super high scoring. Geez, what do I got? That's that's a lot of points. That's the over over, forty two thirty five. Seventy seven. Yeah, it's seventy seven points. Um, something something like that. Maybe it's maybe it's a similar score in the thirties. You know, thirty seven, thirty three, something like that. But. Um, I just think the way that the Chiefs defense is playing, if I'm Buffalo, I'm going to come out, I'm going to attack, I'm going to be super aggressive. And right now, I don't believe the Chiefs defense can stop them. I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope we roll up in here and look, we're going to go live after that game, right after it. We're either going to be really happy or really pissed off on the Arrowhead Addict YouTube channel. So make sure you join us at youtube.com slash Arrowhead Addict podcast. We're doing our live version of this podcast with video, sorry for uh, you having to see our faces, but what are we going to do? Sterling Holmes comes on sometimes, and he's young and attractive. So that's we brought him on specifically for to try to balance out the horror show um, that is uh, me and Verderam over here. Um, I don't know if Ster- I don't know if Sterling's joining us this week, but we'll see. Um, so make sure you join us over there. We appreciate you listening to this podcast. We appreciate your reviews. You guys have been killing it over on Apple Podcasts. You know the drill over there. Um, you got some questions over there. I don't have time to get them to them today, but we're going to, don't worry, we'll, we'll circle back around. Any parting thoughts, Verderam? Big Sunday night matchup. How should people, how should people spend their Sundays? Nervous? Worried? Ah, oh, hell no. Uh, sit back and watch some football, right? I mean, I'd watch Chargers Browns in the late window. That's going to be a really interesting game. One of them's losing. Um, the Raiders play the, the Bears in the late window. The Broncos are at Pittsburgh in the early window. I would not advise watching that game. That game is going to be like watching two people with a broken arm throw football. I, I would not, uh, I would not do that. But no, I, man, I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, you, you root for a great team. You root for a championship contender and a champion. I mean, this team, it, it's a champion team. Like, and I'm guilty of this too. You get nervous as hell for you. You know what? F it. Like they're a great team, and by the way, this, the, the one uh, thing I didn't say earlier, this could just be one of these games where Mahomes is just like in an out of body experience. I mean, he's shown to do it, and if that happens, they're winning. Like they're yeah. winning the game. If, if he just has one of those games, he has like two or three times a year where he's just absolutely impossible to stop. They'll win. They will. I, you know, I, I'm excited for the game. If the Chiefs lose, it's not, oh, my God, the end of the season. Because, um, like we said, the schedule is getting a lot easier. They'll be okay. If they win this game, though, all of a sudden you start looking at it and going, yeah, they could have the one seed. They really could. And if they have that, I really like the chances, even with this defense. Speaking of advising people not to watch games, let me tell you, sleep in on Sunday. Do not get up at 8. Uh, we're, we're in the central time zone, so this one's going to kick off at 8.30 in London. Do not get up at 8.30, or if God God help you if you're a Jets fan out on the West Coast. Oh, got to get up at 6.30. Do not get up to watch New York versus Atlanta in London. Those poor bastards out in London, they just always find a way to, to find the absolute worst matchup possible and send it over there. I feel it's, it's why would you want a London team? If the, what we the product we would say, but so they set the Jaguars over there every year for like a decade, and now, oh, now you're getting New York, the, the the Jets and the Falcons. I mean, my God in heaven, that is absolutely brutal. Watch Thursday night football, Rams Seahawks. That's going to be a, good, a great matchup to watch, um, and and just uh, sleep in. 
sleep in on on Sunday and, and get ready for the Chiefs game. If, if England starts a war with us based off that game, I'm siding with England. Yep. Like, they have every right to start a war after exactly. that game. Can you imagine yeah. that? Like you, you just wake <laughs> up, everything's fine, and all of a sudden you, know, you wake up and it's like, hey, some country forced the, the Jets and the Falcons on you. Yeah. Like, if right. you take up arms at that point, you you've done the right thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a train wreck. It's a travesty. I, I can tell you right now, I am not watching one second of that game. <laughs> Sending the uh, the ghost of Matt Ryan to London is very on brand for October and Halloween and all that. But uh, oof, that's uh, that's a rough go for the folks in London. Um, they'll just have to to wait for the afternoon slate. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We will see you Sunday night, come hell or high water. Uh, I'm probably going to start opening if it's going bad. I'm probably going to start opening beers at halftime. So just just be aware now. Um, Somebody bring a breathalyzer. It might get ugly. Thank you so much for listening. For Matt Verder, my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you on Sunday. And as always, go Chiefs. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save.